Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio as we study the seven letters to the churches of Revelation. And today we're taking our second look at the letter to the Catholic Church in Pergamum. There is a critical need for Catholic laity and leadership in the 21st century to rediscover the full identity of Jesus as he is revealed to us in the letter to Pergamum. When Jesus introduces us to himself in relation to the church, we need to pay heed. And this is how Jesus introduces himself to the angel of Pergamum, and how he introduces himself to us today. He says, And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. Hmm, that's interesting. Jesus introduces himself to the church as the one who has a sharp two-edged sword. Could this be a little bit important? If we back up to the very first chapter in the book of Revelation, we read in chapter 1 and verse 16 that Jesus holds in his hand the seven stars. He's talking about his relation to the church, and from his mouth issued a sharp two-edged sword. So here's now the second time in the book of Revelation. You go to the end or towards the end of the book of Revelation, at the end of this present age, Revelation chapter 19, you see heaven opened. Here he comes on a white horse. Him who sits on that horse is called faithful and true. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. And verse 15 of chapter 19, from his mouth issues a sharp sword with which to smite the nations. And what goes on in Revelation 19, this sharp sword coming out of the mouth of Jesus smites the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the millions in the world's armies warring against the kingship of Jesus Christ. Commentator Bruce Barton mentions the sharp two-edged sword invented by the Romans was one of the greatest military inventions of the ancient world. Previous swords were about three feet long, and they were made of inferior metal, and so they were only sharpened on one side. The Roman's two-edged sword, the sharp two-edged sword, was about two and a half feet long, obviously sharpened on both sides. So rather than simply one motion to be able to use the sword in making war, it could be used in both motions, left and right, up and down. That's the sharp two-edged sword. Now, here is something that every Catholic living in the 21st century needs to hear. Remember, each of these letters end with the Spirit urging, listening to what God says to the churches. And simply because this was written in the 21st century doesn't mean the teaching has expired somehow. I believe it's actually increased in relevance for the 21st century. And here's what we need to hear. 
the very same sword used against the Antichrist, the false prophets, the godless enemies of Jesus Christ, who he slays at his second coming, will be used against the Catholic Church in Pergamum unless they repent of their moral compromises. The same sword. This is just striking. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 14, this is the church of Pergamum, I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice immorality. You see, in the ancient world, false religion, idolatry, coupled with basically the excuse or the green light to engage in sexual immorality. And it's really timeless. False religion goes with false morality. And you might say, well, God, why would God do such a thing? Taking the sword to the church at Pergamum, which by the way is in ruins today. Why? Because he loves the church. He loves people. And he knows if certain things are allowed to go on in the church that it can actually bring ruin upon the plan of redemption and cut people off from eternal life. This isn't a light matter. So Jesus is playing rather serious here. And we have today a exceedingly lopsided view of Jesus. You know, he wouldn't harm a fly uh, or a flea. He doesn't hurt anybody. He wouldn't uh, send anyone to hell if you basically listen to a lot of voices out there today. There's even some theologians who don't think anybody will end up in hell for all eternity, which is utterly ridiculous if you've read the Bible a few times. How could the enemies of God both destroy ancient Israel and the 21st century Catholic Church by one simple, timeless strategy? It's this. It's the teaching of Balaam. That's what he said in verse 14 of chapter 2. I have this against you, Catholic Church in Pergamum. You hold, you have some who hold to the teaching of Balaam, and they weren't booted out of the church. It was tolerated. And this is how ancient Israel was brought down, and this is how Satan is trying to bring down the church in the 21st century. This is nothing new. Now, exactly what was this teaching of Balaam? Well, in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, you find about three chapters in the book of Numbers given over to what went on. There were a group called the Moabites, formed an alliance with a group called the Midianites. And they hired an Israelite prophet, Balaam, to curse Israel. They realized they couldn't defeat them militarily because God's blessing was on them. Hear that? God's blessing was on them. They couldn't be defeated externally. Just like in the book of Revelation, hey, the real problem, it seems to be for the church, wasn't just Rome's sword coming down and killing Christians for not saying Caesar is Lord. 
So if the persecution didn't work, there's that second strategy and that's seduction. And so Balaam was hired to curse Israel and thus they would be defeated because God's blessing wouldn't be upon them. So the first time he went to curse Israel and blessing came out. Same thing happened second time and third time and everybody got upset. And then we come to Numbers chapter 25. It says, Israel began playing the harlot with the daughters of Moab. In other words, Balaam said, look, I can only say out of my mouth what God puts in there and it's blessing. But if you want God to curse these people, the people he loves, the people he redeems, the people he has an eternal plan of salvation for, here's what you do. You start with sexual immorality. And when you do that, you find your morals change, your religion changes. Or if your religions change, your morals change. The two are connected. The two are connected. And so we find in Numbers chapter 25, God is very hot at this time because the council of Balaam has encouraged these Moabite women to start practicing immorality. And then they were, the Israelites were asked to join in with their idolatrous worship. And the, sh- and the judgment of God was coming upon Israel. And then we read in Numbers 25 and verse 6, an Israelite in the sight of all Israel brought one of the Midianite women into his tent to have sexual relationships with her. Now, in other words, it reached such a low point due to the teaching of Balaam that there was no shame like there's no shame today. Well, cohabitation, it used to be very shameful. No shame. You know, we just call it whatever, have nice euphemisms. But this Israelite brought a woman in to his tent to have sexual relations, and he did this in the sight of all Israel. And we find in 25 verses 7 through 9, there is a priest, the grandson of the great priest Aaron, took a spear and put it through the man and the woman. Now, I'm like, whoa, (laughs) that's not a Sunday school story. No, it isn't. And again, is God cruel? No, but it had to stop something that otherwise would have ruined the people of God. Because we read in Numbers chapter 25, as soon as Phinehas did this, a plague stopped. A plague in one day sent from God killed over 20,000 Israelites because they had followed the teaching of Balaam. And now this was, this was like 1,500, 1,400 years before Christ. And then you come into the first century church, the teaching of Balaam was a scandal throughout the church. 2 Peter 2, Jude 11, Revelation 2, 1 Corinthians 10, it's the same thing. In 1 Corinthians 10, it doesn't specifically mention Balaam, but it's referring to what went on in Numbers. And it says this, Now these things are warning for us, us, 
in the Catholic Church in Corinth in the first century, in the Catholic Church in the 21st century, not to desire evil as they did. We must not indulge in immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Now these things happened to them as a warning, but they were written down for our instruction, Catholics, our instruction. And you know what? There are Balaam voices in the church today. You can hear them in Germany or Southern California or Illinois or several other places urging Catholics, let's just align ourselves with the modern culture sexual revolution. This is the teaching of Balaam. And God in his mercy will bring an end to it because he loves the Catholic church to the point that if necessary, he will take the sword of his mouth and use it against those who are spreading toxic evil amongst God's people. Revelation 2.14, I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam. Revelation 2.16, repent then. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 66 of Luke 21 Radio. I urge you, take a serious look in Revelation chapter 2 of the letter to the church at Pergamum. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.